Combat, exploration, and roleplay. These are known as the three pillars of play that make every game of Dungeons & Dragons exciting, tense, and rewarding. But we believe there's another pillar to the world's greatest role-playing game, and that fourth pillar is creation. Are you a dungeon master who has always wanted to create your own monsters, execute your own adventures, design your own challenges, spells, classes, and lineages? That is what we here at the fourth pillar of play, a Night Shift radio production, are doing. Learning game design by designing games. We are not professionals. We are enthusiastic amateurs, just like many of you. So join us as we review and discuss information by professional game designers and put theory into practice by creating new worlds, new monsters, and new opportunities for heroic players. I'm Josh. And I'm Talon. Join us at the fourth pillar of play, available wherever you download your podcasts or visit us at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. And we look forward to creating with you. Greetings and welcome back to Tipples and Tolkien. My name is Eyes. And I'm Em. And this week we're going to be discussing the episode The Great Wave with all of you. And this week we are drinking a cocktail called Nectar of the Valar. Uh, I have to say, I think this is my favorite out of uh, out of the ones that we've had so far. What do you think? It is delightful. It's very it's, easy to drink. Mm, and it's it's nice and sweet. I like mm. my sweet cocktails. I don't know about you, but I, I do like my sweet cocktails. I mean, cocktails. I do too. I'm, I'm American, so <laughs> everything's got to be sweet. You know? <laughs> yeah, no. Huge shout out one. to him for making <laughs> the cocktail syrup. Uh, mm. She sprang right to it as soon as she saw what the ingredients were. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, made a killer batch. So mm. we we had a few ourselves, and uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy. <laughs> mm. You can find the recipe on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we post them there every single week, so you can keep an eye out for them there. Uh, Twitter is at Tipples Tolkien, and our Instagram is at Tipples and Tolkien. Mm. So yeah, keep an eye out on there. Mocktail variants are available as well. Mm -hmm. mm hmm As we do every week, yeah. As we do every week. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Great so, Wave. Mm. Well, I wonder what it's about. <laughs> I mean, we see uh, in the opening shot there, giant tidal wave engulfing Numenor. That was an incredible shot. It was amazing. Mm. And terrifying. <laughs> Great way to lead into the episode there, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I loved it. But it was all a dream. But it was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> is it foreshadowing? I don't know. Mm. I mean, I do know, but is it <laughs> is it actually foreshadowing? Mm. Dreams it can was, mean a lot of things. Oh, uh, it was good. I really Cle enjoyed that shot. Clearly something is on Tarmadiel's mind, though. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm think uh i think she cares very much about the balance in the kingdom and uh maintaining the peace so yes we kind of get our also our first look at uh 
Well, we see Farazan kind of in action, and uh, we see him winning hearts and minds in the town square with people with wine glasses just sort of conveniently there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, but our Farazon is, yeah, I mean, he wins the hearts and minds of people in Numenor. He's, uh, charismatic and, um, oh, he's a leader. People yeah. look up to him. They respect yeah. him. And this is, uh, this was a good way of kind of showing that, um, to start with, to establish him. He's not just some advisor, like, no, he's, he's a man of the people, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we obviously get a good look at it too, at the, well, how the proud people of Numenor, not all of them, but, you know, a decent amount are, are very divided on how they feel about other races of Middle Earth and, uh, how they see themselves as, you know, superior in a way. You know, we don't mm. need elves, you know, we just, where we're good enough on our own, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it might come into play later on, so remember that. And of course, a seal door got kicked off the, um, oh God, what's it called? Um, the Sea League or something? It, I don't know, was league. it the Sea League? <laughs> the Sea League, I don't know. Um, it's completely gone out. Sea Brigade? Uh, gone out of my head what it's called. Is it sea maybe, Brigade? Maybe. I don't, know. I don't know. Anyway, he got himself and his friends all he kicked off. He hates the ocean. But yeah, we heard that ethereal voice calling to him again. Mm. You know, mm. I'm just do, okay because I don't. I'm just. Do, do we know what that is? Like who that is? What it is? I think it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm thinking it's just sort of supposed to show his. It's a it's a representation of his desire to go to the west of the okay. western lands of Numenor, like yeah. the western part of Numenor, because they and they okay. talked about it more this episode, yes. like how that's where I think his family is from. Yeah, and, and his brother was yeah. going on about the real Numenor and, and yeah, Avion, yeah, and yeah. I believe they're implying that that's where more of the faithful are. Mm-hmm. You know, pe- people, the Numenorians who are faithful to, you know, the elven ways, the elven ways toward, mm-hmm. you know, honoring the Valar. And uh, yeah, so yeah. I think that voice, maybe it is one of the Valar trying to, you know, hey, come here. But <laughs> uh, it could just be very well be his, you know, imagination. But mm-hmm. he obviously wants to go there. He doesn't care for you know, his current life in, uh, in Numenor. So after we spent a little bit of time in Numenor, we finally saw Adar. I say finally, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been, he, he was only teased in the last episode, but hey, I think it was uh, much anticipated. So yeah, we finally saw him. He, uh, of course, has the elven ears, um, which... I don't know, may explain the elven elven name. Still doesn't quite explain why the orcs refer to him as father. Yeah, even when asked point blank, why do the orcs call you father? Yeah. He, he doesn't say anything about it. Mm. He, he uh, He's already my new favorite character on the show. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, he's mysterious. And, and yeah, here's the he's thing. very. Again, if 
If you didn't uh, remember from last week, Adar is a fictional, like, made-up character in mm-hmm. that he is not in the canon, like, Tolkien yes. universe. So we don't know anything about this dude. Uh, he, I, I don't know. He's, like, our first dark elf, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Where he's, you know, not an elf who's been mutated and twisted by Morgoth into an orc, but he, he is an like an elf who remains an elf and follows, you know, quote, the dark side. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've never seen anyone quite like that in uh, any of the media so far. So I think that's, yes. that's really neat. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, a, lot, a lot there. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, so last episode, we I mean, of course, we didn't fully see him. So we had the kind of umming and ahhing, like, could it be Sauron? Would they put Sauron in right now? Like showing his, you know, well, you know, face, so to speak. I don't know what your thoughts are in this, but I'm pretty convinced it's not Sauron. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people are probably still feeling he could be, but I am very much of the opinion that that is not Sauron. Um, and it's perhaps somebody that Sauron uh, has somehow got on his side. Mm. I mean, really, I, th- I think you uh, commented on it as well as the, um, the the fact that he shows that he cares about the orcs when he kind of, you know, put put the one orc that we saw kind of out of his misery. Mm. Um, and he was getting very teary eyed. Um, that is definitely not a Sauron thing <laughs> yeah as soon as I saw that I'm like oh it's not Sauron yeah, no yeah yeah I was the same the second that I saw his eyes were and I was like yep no not Sauron yeah so. Sauron would not mercy kill his orcs he would be like just he we wouldn't even give a second thought no so yeah so Dar said a couple of things that kind of mm. caught my attention a little bit I haven't got the full quote written down but uh he mentioned the creation of a new world um, of course, we're seeing, I suppose, the beginning of um, what we come to know as Mordor. Um, and he also made the quote, I am no god, at least not yet. Yeah. Thought, yeah, you, you had a little bit of an interesting thought on that, I think. Well, just overall, I think, you know, people like Morgoth and Sauron... They're gonna they're gonna promise all kinds of things to mm. faithful followers, you know. And false promises of godhood is like perfect. It's, mm-hmm. it's it, of course they're gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> Are yeah. they actually gonna grant it? Well, first of all, Morgoth can't. He's imprisoned in the halls of Mandos, but like, um, I'm sorry, the void more or less. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Sauron, as a, as a Maiar, Sauron cannot grant somebody godhood only the valar can essentially do that and uh yeah so he's not going to become a god he's just being led astray now i am have you ever seen the movie apocalypse now i have not okay so there's uh this isn't really important this is just another little side note because the internet actually posted someone on the internet posted an image comparing the the there was a couple of lines about a river when he was talking to mm. um, Arondir, and it very much kind of mimics a quote spoken by Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. And uh, 
You know, I look at the parallels here and I see Adar kind of as a Colonel Kurtz like character where they mm-hmm. are they're very different. They they're both almost like cult leaders in a sense. And uh they're both very I don't know, they're they're both revered and they they are both very stoic in how they speak and go about their business. So yeah, for, for those who have seen Apocalypse Now, maybe you can if you draw some parallels there. But I thought it was a a neat little um hmm, I didn't I know, know. a neat little parallel. <laughs> yeah. But it's not really it's not really important to the <laughs> to the story. It's it's all good. Oh, and there was a mention of you probably uh, heard Arandir say that he was born in Beleriand. Mm-hmm. And where is Beleriand? Well, Beleriand is, well, was kind of the main uh, zone of action in the first age of Middle Earth. So those scenes that you saw with the big battle against, you know, the fell beasts and the, the Balrogs and all the orcs, you see uh, Galadriel's brother, um, you know, fighting. Yeah, that uh, that all took place in Beleriand, and it doesn't exist anymore during this time. Um, Beleriand kind of sunk completely into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't an island. It was a part of the main continent of Middle Earth, um, but it's gone now. So there's, I'm not going to go into great detail, but it's, it, it's gone. But it was a place, and it was full of other names you've heard of before, perhaps Thangorodrim or um, Doriath or uh, Gondolin even. Those were all pla- like cities and places in Beleriand. So mm. yeah, Arondir has been around a long time. And of course, Adar gave Arondir the task to deliver a message to the men who have taken refuge in the old watchtower. Of course, we don't find out quite just yet what the message was. <laughs> and it's funny now, actually, having watched the episode, because I wrote my notes kind of as I was watching it. And my first thing that I wrote after that is, is he after the dagger? Of course, it's later confirmed that, yes, the orcs are very much looking after the hilt of mm. the uh, blade that Theo has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get to see a little bit more of that in action uh, this mm-hmm. episode, which is, again, this is a this is an object that's it's not like a known object in the mm-hmm. lore. Um, I think it's sort of its own thing, but yes. we're kind of seeing that it there there is some blood magic in you know mm-hmm. Tolkien mythology, and uh, obviously when when Theo he he kind of stabs himself with the blade not fully but like on his arm yeah i think right isn't that where he yeah. Does it? yeah yeah and and the the blade grows a little more when he does that mm-hmm. and it, you know the orc immediately recognizes like oh yo this is this is what we're looking for yeah so um that was that was neat to see kind of confirm like okay this is like a self-sacrificial kind of magic yeah dagger sort of some sort Mm, i'm interested to see kind of what the importance is about this Mm -hmm. uh this uh sword sword i'm really i'm really hoping it's not like a 
It's not like a Horcrux kind of thing where <laughs> Sauron's spirit is embedded in the blade. There would be no reason for that. Sauron no. is not disembodied yet, so to speak. <laughs> like in the Lord of the Rings, you know, he he was his power was bound to the One Ring, mm-hmm. and he didn't have physical form per se during that time because you just saw him as the eye that's not right now right now he can take a fair he can take any form he wants yes and it would be extremely surprising if he was this his spirit and what or just current form was a sword in a cellar like <laughs> what but hey well, hopefully we'll find out more next week about the mm. uh, about the blade and i think honestly i don't know part of me watching it i i thought I wonder if this Theo kid is sort of being influenced by the blade. Um, yeah. Kind of like how the ring influences people. Mm-hmm. It, 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 he, I noticed he, he seemed a little more, I don't know, just a slightly more arrogant. And, and he kept looking. He was like stealing looks at the blade when, no, when he thought no one was watching. Yeah. Like he yeah. Was, he was very much uh, captivated by it and just reminded me of, the ring and you know like frodo like just stealing looks at it when no one was watching and things mm-hmm. like that who knows could be could be something similar we got to uh we we got to see some well brief shot of Eregion again and they are constructing the forge mm-hmm. the massive forge in yes. uh, Eregion and Celebrimbor and Elrond talk about Elrond's father you know, we we learned a little bit more of you know Eadindil mm. I liked, um, yeah, I, I, I liked, so I'm kind of skipping a little bit forward hmm. um, to where Elrond was talking to Durin about his father and he kind of explained more, you know, what actually happened. And I, I liked that um, mm-hmm. it actually explained kind of what happened with his with his father. Yeah, yeah that was really good that they explained that. Um mm. And this also, I, this is sort of a minor thing. Uh, last week's episode, you saw that giant towering, well, I guess if you want to call it statue in Numenor. It, it looked like an elf with an outstretched hand, you know, in the harbor. It's like the main, most prominent figure in the in that area in Numenor. Um, so that is confirmed to be a statue of Eredendil. Um, he's wearing... A small little crown, and then it has the Silmaril on it, which which is what he you know he takes that to Valinor. And there's a also if you look at the shot, there's a bird next to him, and that's supposed to be uh, his wife Elwing when she was in bird form. Mm-hmm. So just a little little fun fact there for you. <laughs> if you don't remember, that's okay. But <laughs> yeah, it was nice to get some more background info yeah. on on that that tale. I mean, it's kind of a legend now in the Tolkien mythology and um, the light of Eärendil plays a role in Lord of the Rings as you've seen. Mm-hmm. So yes, good to know. Yeah. But yeah, we got more dwarf action we did. This, uh, this episode, which was great. And we had it confirmed what they were looking at in that little, the little chest box thing, whatever you want to call it was, mm. m- was Mithril. Mm-hmm. as uh yeah we had it confirmed and we got our first proper look at it this new ore that uh the dwarves found i like that uh you know we already know that elrond is trustworthy and a man of his mm-hmm. word 
because if he wasn't and he, you know, spilled the beans about the Mithril later on, then dwarves would want to have nothing to do with him mm. in the, uh, you know, the Council of the Ring all those years later. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was cool to see, you know, more of more of an expansion of the relationship between uh, Durin and Elrond. Honestly, their 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 uh, their relationship is is very cool to watch because you know in in all everything we've seen before, dwarves and elves don't get along. Yeah, I mean Legolas and Gimli, their relationship changes over time, but mm-hmm. like for the most to part, begin I mean, with. yeah, to begin it with, is. and in the, the whole of the Hobbit trilogy, the elves and dwarves are like meh. Yeah. So this is really nice to see. And uh, I mean, Disa is like stealing the show. <laughs> oh, she's great. I love her so much. I really do. She's, she's, she's great. And someone pointed out, like, I think, you know, Arandir and Disa unfortunately got a lot of hate before the show came out. And um, <laughs> now they're, they're like two of the be... most beloved characters. Yeah, they're like f- fan <laughs> favorites for sure. Yeah. They they are they're wonderful. They're really considering they are, you know, um they they are like new characters kind of, you know. Um they they're amazing. I'm I'm really I'm really happy to see it. Um yeah, they're definitely two mm-hmm. they're probably my two favorites uh in mm-hmm. the show. Great, great acting too, yeah. Yeah. I uh, uh well, we 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 kind of got uh I don't, I don't know, we a, a little bit of foreshadowing again. Uh <laughs> we had the there was like a cave in when mm. um they were mining for Mithril. You know, M and I our first thought jumped to oh it's a Balrog. <laughs> no, it's not a Balrog. No. Yeah. No. Now I will say, I mean Balrog technically doesn't show up in Moria until the Third Age, which is not during this current time. Who knows? Maybe it will appear in this show because mm-hmm. they're kind of compressing time anyway. But uh, right now there's no Balrog. And no. it is definitely kind of a warning, though, um, mm. in that, like, I mean, I remember Sauron saying, you know, the, the dwarves delve too deep and too greedily. And, uh, yeah, this is sort of like a secret, um, dig site and they're going into, you know, uncharted territory when they're mining. So maybe it's a little bit of foreshadowing there. Mm. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that it's like a warning from the mountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and that bit. First of all, the Disa singing transition, uh, you know, you hear it in the show and then it just, oh, it's actually Disa singing. Like, yeah. whoa, that was cool. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was like really, so the scene obviously where this comes from kind of like follows on from seeing the dwarves and Theo's, um, you know, just had his run in with the orcs and uh, Aranda comes to save the day and, you know, this music's playing as they're kind of running through the forest mm-hmm. <laughs> and Honestly, I thought I thought Arondo was going to die. I really did. Um, oh, and the music was kind of the music was incredible for the for the scene, but it was kind of making me panic a bit because <laughs> it was quite like a almost almost like an emotional kind of like mm-hmm. feeling to it. 
And I was like, oh, God, he's going to die. He's going to die. Yep. <laughs> the whole our, time our I was just there. Our boy around there had a good oh. run, yeah. But it's his, it's his time, clearly, the music, <laughs> yeah. But no. Yeah. No, thankfully not. I was on a... I was going to be so upset. <laughs> there, there's only two instances in this episode, which I wasn't really a fan of, and it had nothing to do with the lore. It was just things that happened. I, I'd say this first one, so... Arondir brings Theo to the clearing where Bronwyn is and, you know, oh, he's rescued Theo. Cool. And the orcs stop at the tree line and the sun comes out and they're standing there and they're looking at each other. And then they, you know, continue running back to the tower and the orcs start shooting arrows at them and they're clearly missing. Like part of me was like, okay, this is so dumb. They're standing still in this field. And clearly the orcs still have, you know, arrows to shoot at them, but they're not even shooting at them until they start running away. I'm like, Maybe the archers hadn't quite caught up with them yet. That's possible. I was just like, okay, but like really? Like, okay, plot armor, whatever. But it was a cool shot though. Like I completely get what you're saying, yeah. but it was, yeah. it was a very cool shot to kind of just see them like turn mm. around and like f- face the orcs. Like, mm. and they're just, it was like kind of like the, you could just feel the like tension between the two, but mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was a cool shot. I completely get what you're saying, but it was a cool <laughs> shot. <laughs> but yeah, it turns out, you know, when Disa was talking about singing to the mountain earlier <laughs> in the show, she actually meant singing. I thought it was yeah. just like a metaphor, <laughs> you know, like, no, because <laughs> yeah. we see when she's singing, Elrond looks at the ground and, and sees the, yeah. The, the the sands kind of like shifting and, and the that was like really cool. moving and it was cool and I was like okay so yeah there's dwarven magic which we're not really too familiar with here and um this is yeah. this is new I, I like the ritualistic setting of it because we don't really mm. see that ever in any of the uh Lord of the Rings or Hobbit movies mm. So that's nice. Yeah. There's like dwarf mages that almost looked like in that shot. You know, they got like hoods and things. It was cool. Yeah, um, no. it, dwarves it are good so singers, though. I mean, oh, yeah. Far over <laughs> the moon. I'm not going to sing anymore so we don't get DMCA'd, but yeah. <laughs> the dwarves have great yeah, songs. They um, do. That was great. It was very... Um, I don't know. I I don't know if I feel like it was like a dwarven magic thing, but it was more like a kind of like spiritual, like it was Mm -hmm. like a connection with the mountain and Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that was very cool because she was, the the song was basically, she was kind of asking the mountain to kind of um, let, what, what was the quote? Let the, let those that were in the shaft kind of, who still have breath. Um, mm. kind of come out alive basically was yeah. uh, was it he's like hey um, mountain calm down it's all good we're just trying to <laughs> we're just friends it's all good and then obviously Durin came up and said that he just uh, pulled the last one out and that they were all alive so that was right Yay. after the yeah so mm. but uh yeah no, we also, it, it's oh, oh sorry <laughs> no I was just gonna say it's it's nice seeing the dwarves in um I suppose a different way than we've seen them in both the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. We're kind of seeing them at home, <laughs> if that mm. makes it like we yeah. It's 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 nice. It's nice to see this setting, and it's uh, it's kind of heartwarming to see it in this way. We both remarked we would love to see even just a show just called like Durin and Diva at home. <laughs> 
They're great. I love it. Oh, and uh, it comments on the chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> it could be like yeah. a sitcom with a laugh track and everything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and no. I was going to add, speaking of dwarven mm. magic, we get our we get a, a look at, you know, I mean, dwarves really love hidden doors. Oh, they love yeah. It. Yeah, we have the, the eventual, they haven't been made yet, but like the gates to Moria um, mm. with the, you know, the, the starlight. Um, yes. the Ethildin as it's known um, with the riddle to answer it and uh, then there's of course the secret door of Erebor which we see in The Hobbit um, and then there's this one here protecting the Mithril Mine in which yes. you know, Elrond knocks uh, in cadence with the song that the kids were singing and it opens up yeah, that was I liked that. I um, I didn't quite pick up on it the first time I watched it because I was watching him like knocking and he was like, not not singing, but he was like, you know, doing the little rhyme. And I was like, like, what? I, where did he get this from? And then I rewatched it again and I was like, oh, and it was the knocking game as well. And mm-hmm. I realized I kind of picked up on this because um, Deezer was like trying to get them to stop. And obviously she was trying to keep this whole thing like a secret for Durin mm-hmm. and they're there basically singing the password to this like secret mine and she's like stop it <laughs> and the kids spilled the beans yeah the kids spilled the beans <laughs> well uh, we also see a bit there at the end with the uh, durin and his father and uh mm. it was cute they reconciled and, and they love each other but clearly durin <laughs> three is still not fully trusting of the elves because he wants you know he wants durin the fourth to go to linden which is where High King Gilgalad is. We saw that in episode one. And uh, find out what he can find out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, even though the relationship between Durin the Fourth and Elrond is, is good, uh, Durin the Third is still not quite fully trusting the elves. So, yeah. Yeah, hopefully, uh, well, well, we'll see what comes of that. Before before that happened, though, we, we go back to... Um, we go back to Numenor. There's some more important stuff. For, oh, there is more oh, important stuff revealed in see, Numenor. See, I, I didn't make any notes on this, but I think this bit I was like just too focused. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, there was a, there were some important, uh, important things there. Um, it's obviously re- we, we get to meet the king mm, who yes. goes by the name Tar Palantir. You might be thinking, wait a minute, Palantir, like that's that thing, that orb. Yes, there is also a Palantir <laughs> that is revealed to be in the tower where he lives. Now, this king is not named after that object, nor <laughs> is the object named after him. Palantir, essentially, trans- the word translates to like farsighted. The Palantiri, which are the orbs, are used to for communication purposes for over great distances. Mm. So... We meet the king. He's uh, very old and sick. And it's re- revealed that, you know, Muriel is, well, she's sort of torn between two worlds. She's, again, trying to maintain the peace of the people in Numenor. Um, but she also is more or less faithful to, you know, the ways of the Valar. Mm. And... She's sort of living a double life, in a sense. Yeah. It's revealed, too, that she was so fearful of Galadriel because she used the Palantir, the orb, to have a vision. She said in her vision she saw Galadriel arriving to Numenor, 
And then she also saw the vision of the Great Wave. So because Galadriel arrived, now she's even more fearful of this Great Wave taking Numenor and destroying everything they know and love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have the reveal. Oh, if you maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't. In the room where the Palantiri is, there was a sword. Basically, in in that room where the Palantiri is, there's a sword. And that sword is Narsil. Now, we all thought that the sword that Miriel handed to Elendil, the previous episode, oh, that was going to be Narsil? Okay, cool. No, because this sword in the room... It has the same, like, hilt as the one used in the Jackson films. So, I mean, I didn't think they would use the same one, but clearly it's 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 identical. So, mm-hmm. unless, <laughs> unless it's just there as, like, an Easter egg and that's not actually the sword <laughs> he's going to be using... Well, then, I mean, that's a great little Easter egg. But either way, I mean, it's it's Narsil in that room. And there are some other uh, objects there uh, as well of uh, historical significance. I won't go into too much detail on them, but I'm just going to say they were first age objects. They're, they're not going to be playing a role um, in this show per se. But yeah, the reveal of the... Palantir um, was very important. I I do want to add that they mention, I think Galadriel mentions, oh, they're all thought to be lost or hidden or something. Right. That's that kind of, um, I don't want to say it bothered me, but (laughs) it, 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 it rubbed me the wrong way because, uh, well, in, during this time in the lore, no, they are not lost or hidden. They're, they're accounted for. And they are used in Middle-earth for many, many years. And uh, mm-hmm. Elendil and his sons, you know, take them and kind of spread them out over Middle-earth uh, to be used so they, they could communicate with each other. And I don't know why they said that. I'm sure they have a good reason. Maybe just to yeah. keep it simple. Because there's like seven of them that are yeah. accounted for in Middle-earth. And there's one master stone, which is in Valinor. And it's mm-hmm. on an island known as Tol Eresea. Whatever. Point is, there's a plant here. And, yes. Um, yeah. So that's that's cool. Yeah. But as a as a result, um, we see now that I think Muriel wants to not only maintain the peace, but she wants to prevent her her kingdom from being you know swallowed by the sea. So she's like, you know what? Let's go to Middle Earth. <laughs> and uh yeah let's uh let's go um let's go fight sauron yeah well it wasn't sorry just (laughs) skip it this skipping ahead to kind of the end of the episode um so it wasn't quite that that uh you know obviously she was sending galadriel off but it was as galadriel was leaving and uh, the leaves started falling off the tree oh good 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 shout good shout yeah it was kind of because obviously she thought sending galadriel over uh to middle earth kind of getting her off numenor was gonna be 
uh, the right thing in order to save Numenor. Mm. But then, of course, as Galadriel is departing, there's the shot where she turns around, she sees all the leaves, and she looks straight at um, Elendil, and they're kind of just staring at each other like, oh, God, (laughs) what have we done? Mm. And I, I kind of liked, obviously, she was giving a speech to the people, but she actually kind of requoted herself um where she said that when when the leaves fall it is no idle thing Mm. um now i'm not sure if i have mentioned this in a previous episode um maybe where we talked about the tree a little bit more but basically um the tree uh it was prophesized that um if the tree was destroyed um then it would mean that the house of elros would end um so that is it's uh kind of shows the importance like she she does not want those leaves to fall off that tree (laughs) because that that is not good which again um you know the visions of the waves crashing over and the ocean swallowing up Numenor the first thing that she sees is these leaves falling off the tree so that was kind of like the first sign of you know wrong move the wrong move yeah so, of course, she gets Galadriel back on over, and that's where she decides that she's going to uh, escort her over herself. Mm. Um, Thus further so. alluding to, you know, how she is, um, she is faithful to, you mm. know, the old ways. And uh, yes. it seems like the people are down, though. You get Isildur and his friends to start volunteering to, mm-hmm. to serve and, you know, chain reaction. Everyone in the crowd wants to serve. And, yeah. Um, I like this because lore-wise, um, I mean, the Numenorians do kind of launch an offensive against uh, Sauron and his forces in the south. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah this, is, this is good to see. Obviously, like I mentioned, Galadriel, while she didn't ever visit Numenor, she is more or less a vessel to move the story along and in this way you know they're they're doing exactly that yes there are some very interesting things to come if they're going to continue to follow uh this path so mm-hmm. another yeah. slight criticism i had yeah okay i mean hey we're allowed to talk freely about the show we're not being yes. paid by amazon you know? <laughs> no no we're not galadriel oh galadriel when she is locked up in prison with hallbrand and then you know the armed guards come to escort her to her you know little skiff to send her away she like single-handedly bests three armed numenorean guards and puts them in the cell and locks it but off camera a cartoon almost and i just (laughs) thought that was cheesy that was that was that was just dumb it's like really come on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i know she's powerful i know she's a warrior but like just uh, <laughs> i just thought it was a, a dumb little thing but point is they just wanted to make sure she was able to speak freely to muriel and you know i get it i get mm-hmm. it whatever <laughs> <laughs> and uh well i suppose the last thing that i have in my notes now this mm-hmm. is going i think back a scene just before that you know ending with the whole leaves falling and stuff um we go back to theo and he's um obviously returned oh, back yeah. to the uh, watchtower yes. um and he's like resting up or whatever and this um th- this guy comes over and he has the same scar on his arm and we find out that um the hilt um was well maybe not well he says oh you found my 
uh, I can't remember the right word. Dagger sword, hilt, whatever it was. Yeah. I was trying to impersonate him there. <laughs> Very good impression. Um, <laughs> but he he made the comment like, "Oh, you f- you found my blade like under my floorboard." So, because I think when he first found it, I couldn't quite place where it was, and I thought it was in you know Theo's home under the floorboards. Yeah, but me too. Actually, it, it like was in not. His barn yeah. Or whatever. So we've kind kind of got an owner to it. Um, obviously, he's I, I I dare say he's actually the original owner, but <laughs> he seemed to want to claim it, and he knew about it. And um, he has the same scar that he has the scar that Theona has kind of in his arm from the from the blade. So he's obviously used it. Now, interestingly, I don't I don't know. I was kind of trying to piece together what he was saying properly in my head and i couldn't tell if he was kind of on the side of like uh, i think he's Morgoth, a sauron, sauron. Sympath- yeah he's yeah. a sauron sympathizer i mean if just he- the way he was speaking i was a bit like oh he is not a good guy <laughs> yeah he you know he's not exactly looking to join the orcs and you know and or get killed by them but like he's a we already know that the people in that region are uh, there are people there who are sympathetic to, to mm-hmm. Morgoth and uh, there's history there. So yeah, I, and it has I got been, the impression uh, that he was a Sauron sympathizer and um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. maybe, maybe Theo becomes, maybe Theo becomes a ring wraith for all we know. Who knows? <laughs> who really knows? Um, some people on the internet, I wanted to add some people on the internet remarked like, Oh, they have this scar on their arm. Didn't the meteor man have some kind of, marking or something on his arm as well yes but it's not the same one it's totally different did he yes people went back and looked at the images and it's not it's not the same thing so i was gonna say i didn't um i didn't pick up on that meteor man is not in the sauron crew (laughs) it seems so maybe he's a he's a part of a different crew for all we know i mean he's a harfoot now technically so he is a harfoot. He is a very, very, he very is, big harfoot. Yes, the, the largest harfoot of them all. Um, I, I have to say, I know, I know they went in this episode, but just on the note of him being like a huge harfoot, I love seeing the <laughs> like um, Nori and him next to each other because it, it just shows you the size difference. Like he's huge in comparison to like oh, yeah. she's so tiny and he's like mm. three times the size of her. Um, now you know why like Gandalf that. hit his head on Bilbo's. Uh, <laughs> In Bilbo's Hobbit Hole, yeah. Which, fun fact, if you didn't know this, was um, <laughs> that was a mistake. Uh, Ian McKellen, when he hits his head on the doorframe, that was not scripted. <laughs> but they went, went with, with it, it. And it, I it love was it. perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was. I love it. Um, oh, sorry. Another note, um, especially now that we're talking about Meteor Man. Um <laughs> it's it relates to what we were just talking about as well fair enough um so this this i don't know if he has a name if he does apologies i forgot the the old guy that was talking to theo um his name is like wardreg or something yeah i i aldrith i don't know yeah yeah um well he was saying to theo about he mentioned the comet yes comet sorry uh a couple of weeks ago and he said that the that the starfall uh means that sauron's time is near and i don't know i kind of in my head i it, it almost kind of like gave me some kind of weird little bit of confirmation that maybe 
this probably is more likely to be a blue wizard. Mm. Like, I don't know. Because I, I feel like it was said in a way like trying to maybe make people think that, oh, the comet is Sauron. Mm. But I'm thinking, oh, no, I reckon it's Blue Wizard now. Mm. It's kind of made me sway more that way as opposed to the way of like maybe what they're trying to kind of trick people with thinking it might be Sauron. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, Nobody what knows. do you think yeah. of that? But that is, no, it, it's definitely made me sway more towards, yeah, it's probably a Blue Wizard. I mean, I was already swaying that way anyway, <laughs> but now it's like more so I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah no i i believe it and you know people obviously hold superstition like hey they think sauron's gonna return via meteor or it just is a sign and there wasn't actually anything in the meteor but hey mm. you know, no it's uh revealed that um there are omens and mm. uh well he shall appear again someday so yeah yeah I do. I, I really I really like the whole feel of the show in terms of like you don't know who to trust. I like it cuz you cuz mm. you like you end up kind of liking someone and then you're like, "Oh no, wait, but that could still be a bad guy." <laughs> and it's you don't know whether to like them or not. My new theory on who Sauron is, so the dude who was like hitting on Isildur's sister. <laughs> yeah, that's Sauron for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's him. <laughs> Anyone's Sauron, right? Yeah. All right. Galadriel's probably Sauron for all we know. Although, to note, someone brought up an interesting point. We have discussed uh, wolves and werewolves in this show already. And um, Mm. what if uh, Sauron is in wolf form right now? What if that that wolf from the very beginning who hasn't reappeared Uh, yet is Sauron? Who knows? The one that Nori saw? Yeah. Could be. We don't know. but Could be. And maybe that, that'll that be, like, the first encounter, you know, with the the wizard mm. versus Sauron. I don't know. Oh, I am really excited to see him, though. I mm. am. Like, you know, Sauron in his fair form. That it, I, Again, Adar. I just, I, I don't, yeah. I just want Adar's more Adar overall. Sauron can come whenever he wants, but, like, I want to <laughs> see some more Adar action. Yeah. I am. I am. I'm so excited to kind of <laughs> see... I'm just I'm just excited to see more. I yes. really am. Yes. Um, I think overall the show is doing an amazing job of kind of it. Every episode so far has just gripped me, and I'm like, I just want to see the next mm-hmm. one. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I think we pr- we have covered pretty much everything in this episode. Yeah, we've um, covered a lot. There was. A I lot hope going everyone on. else is enjoying it too. Um, mm. I hope I hope these podcasts are. Uh, helpful in a way um, just to maybe give you some background info or even just some fun facts or hey maybe you listen to it just because you need something to listen to but we've been getting a lot of um, a lot of nice feedback from family friends listeners and it's been very heartwarming and uh, encouraging so thank you for that thank you thank you We are very much looking forward to the next episode and um, stoked to talk to you guys next week. Enjoy the mm. nectar of the Valar. Yeah. And uh, yeah, keep the Valar in your hearts always. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be bringing a new recipe out again this week. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that one. We'll be posting it again on our Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, so if you don't already follow us over there, then we we post quite a lot over there. Instagram is full of little little bits of information on well places, Everything. objects, people. And uh, please, we've we've been sent a couple I don't know theories and stuff so far. Just you know, friends remarking on things. Please keep sending us those if you mm-hmm. have them. I love we love to discuss them and uh, you know bring them up on the show so yeah please do (laughs) for sure we like to know what people are thinking uh so yeah any questions also we we put quite a lot of polls up on the instagram uh we like we like to know what you're thinking Mm -hmm. you think sauron is if you think we can trust certain people all that kind of stuff so uh our instagram is at tipples and tolkien and uh twitter is at tipples tolkien well thank you have an awesome week have a good week thanks for listening Bye. bye